Hello, you're listening to Deathbed Discs with your host, Jade Robles. On this podcast, I ask my guests to bring five songs that they want played at their funeral. In 2018, three people very close to me died in the space of eight months, and it changed my perspective on grief and death forever. It opened my eyes to the often sad, strange, and sometimes even a little bit funny world of both death and grief, and how important it is to talk openly about it. And what better way to talk about it than through music? Today I'm joined by Governor B, author, artist, rapper, sports pundit, and broadcaster. As well as being a two-time MOBA Award winner, he's also the host of Lost Tapes, a podcast about all types of loss, and the author of his newest book, Unspoken, a book which tackles the themes of masculinity and vulnerability. Welcome, Governor B. What a lovely intro. You ever thought about <laughs> doing a podcast? <laughs> Funny you say that. <laughs> so, to start things off... I always ask my guests this question. Have you ever thought about your funeral before? Um, so I haven't thought about my funeral. Actually, no, I have. So what I thought about is, wouldn't it be amazing if when I died, my mind could still be alive for like 72 hours so that I could read tweets, see my album finally break into the top 10 charts because everyone's <laughs> thinking, oh, he's wonder what he sounded like and just see how people respond to my death and that's about as far as I've got to thinking about my funeral until you asked me to pick these songs. So many artists from the the grave never got to see how famous they became with their art. Exactly. That's as if Picasso realised years later oh I've actually become really famous. I know man it's mad isn't it um there was a band their name escapes me now um they sadly passed away in a car crash on tour in Europe. Um, oh, and yes. then they went like number one. Violet Beach, Alex, the producer of this podcast, has kindly reminded me in a chat function. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, <laughs> they were like slaving away, trying to make it, and then didn't make it until they'd passed. So sad. Yeah. On that, do you believe then in an afterlife? Yeah, I think I do. Um, but I, I always believed in that from young, and it's really weird. Um, but it started with me and this is going to sound really stupid, but I used to look at like my palms and be amazed that they were the mm. same size. And I was like, ah, oh. I remember being like five and thinking, oh man, that's kind of crazy. I think someone created this. And then I've always believed that there was a God that created it and an afterlife and that kind of stuff. But I feel like it was a bit more than, you know, airy fairy. Like, oh my gosh, someone's passed away. They're in heaven. Mm. I just really believed it from young. Um, but I don't really have any logic to go with it, unfortunately. It's just my hands are the same size. <laughs> so wait, how did, so you were looking at both hands and you're like, they're both the same? Yeah, I was like, why isn't one bigger than the other? Or why, like, does my body just work with these organs? And why is nature so beautiful? And I just yeah. think that even if it was like a Big Bang or whatever, I just believe someone created the Big Bang so that it could be all like, so beautiful just the beauty in the world mm. didn't make sense to me and so I thought oh, someone must have created this mm. 
So then do you think when we die, sort of our beauty continues or do you think we we are able to sort of come back as anything? Um, I think we stay alive in two ways. My personal opinion is we stay alive within the memories that we leave um, our loved ones. That's like kind of like our legacy here on earth. So we never really die, you know, um, mm. because we've made too much of a mark on this earth to for it to be like we didn't ever exist. Um, so that's what I believe. And I also believe that God has prepared a place for us. Mm. I don't know what it looks like in terms of whether you lose someone and then they go straight to that place or whether they're in the ground and then God comes back and then we're all in that place. But I just believe there's a place prepared because I don't believe that we get to experience the highs of life and the lows and the extreme pain. And then that's it. I feel like it ends mm. in beautifulness. Like there's something after. Yeah, man. I think, you know, looking at yeah. my dad, I just believe that there had to be because I got to see him on the day that he passed away. And all I could think was you're 58 years old and all you did in your life was just work really, really hard and you didn't really get to enjoy the fruits of your labour. And so I hope mm. that this place is real so you can finally put your feet up and relax. Yeah. And look, and look over you now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't know how, what I believe about that. I don't know whether he's looking over me now or whether he's just in the ground and then one day we'll meet. Still trying to work it Me out. Again. I like I like the you know I like the sentiment behind the whole looking over you mm. thing though. It's quite funny because for me I've started I've started to convince my mum wasn't a big I guess didn't really believe that that perhaps we could feel the presence of people who had left us. Um, but just recently, actually, in the kitchen, the lights sort of flicker quite often, um, and I've heard a lot about that. And I've you know. I'm, I do believe and I do kind of feel that and that that's just how I think of things. And I've kind of really been convincing my mum and stuff. And then there has been moments where it's been crazy. But um, anyway, there's been some electrical faults outside the house. <laughs> and um, the other day this electrician came in and he was like, excuse me, do your lights work in your house, in your kitchen? And my mum's like, um, they're a little bit funny, but don't take them away. It's my dead husband. And she was like, it gives me great pleasure to feel that that's my husband. And he was like, okay. And he kind of just moved. He just took a step back and he probably oh, went home that evening. And he was like, there's some woman who thinks that her dead husband's in her kitchen because of the flickering lights. I don't know how to tell her. That's so sweet, man. But, but I almost feel like, you know, whatever works for the person and kind of go for it if that's yeah. your way I guess for me 100%. I was raised as a Christian and then when I was like 15 and 16 and my mum didn't force me to go to church anymore I was kind of like well I'm going to try and work this out for myself because if it's not for me then I'll just leave and then I was just working it out mm. read the bible like spoke to a few people and then I thought oh, I could get with this and that kind of started my own journey and for me it's always been like a bit of a hope you know um mm. I always remember when I went to the hospital, there was a family sitting outside um, like intensive care unit and they were just on the floor like crying because they had just lost someone. And then obviously that was me like half an hour later. But when I walked out of the hospital, I had like this hope that I'd see my dad again because of my faith. And then I always think about that family and I'm like, ah, oh, I hope they've got some kind of hope. Otherwise, that's where it ends with death and that's not very nice. So um, yeah. yeah, the thing I love about my faith is the hope aspect. Yeah. That's so true. I think that word, like hope, it perfectly encapsulates kind of the feeling. Right. So what's your first song uh, that you'd like played at your funeral? And briefly tell us why. 
Um, so the first song I'd like to play at my funeral is a song called Optimistic by Sounds of Blackness. It's a song that my parents used to play in the house a lot when I was growing up. They played a lot of gospel music. It's very uplifting and I feel like hopefully I mean a lot to some people in this world and it would be quite nice for them to cry at my funeral um, to show me how much I'm meant. And so it's a bit of a narcissistic choice, but it's a bit of a tearjerker, um, but an uplifting tearjerker. And that's why that's I, I like one. this song. Yeah. We always need a tearjerker. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. For licensing reasons, you will only be hearing 30-second clips of all the songs chosen by our lovely guests. But if you want to hear the full thing, which you definitely should, you can follow our very own Deathbed Discs playlist. Right, now back to the show. I feel like that was a very uplifting tearjerker, Governor. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm just an optimistic person by nature, and obviously that's the title of that song mm. but i always like to remind people that even on the worst of days there's still blessings to count there's still things that we can be grateful for and obviously funerals are going to be quite emotional because you're, mm. you're reminded of you know how much you mean to people or whatever but i don't want it to end there i want it to end in like hope and optimism and you know a better tomorrow um and that song the words mean a lot to me and obviously they're, they're sentimental as well because i grew up listening to it Mm. Um, on the theme of optimism do you think you'd like your guests to wear any specific clothes <laughs> West Ham home kit that might be a bit much to ask for though um, just everyone no, <laughs> yeah I'm pretty chill I think culturally because I'm a first generation Brit and a lot of my family are Ghanaian mm. um, black is a colour that we wear to, to funerals just out of respect um, mm. but for me I don't think I'd, I'd be too fussed to be honest so I wanted to ask you, actually, I read about you had a turning point on a beach in Newport in California. Yeah. Um, do you mind just telling telling me about that? And and then my question was going to be, how do you think your relationship with grief has changed since then? Yeah, um, sure. So, you know, my dad passed away in 2017. He had a short battle with cancer. Didn't know that he had it. And by the time he went to hospital... He only had a few days to live, um, so he was gone later in the week. And, you know, up until that point, I internalised a lot of grief and trauma mm. in my life. Um, lost a few people. There was still a bit of distance there, like grandmothers, but um, she was in Ghana. Um, a friend got murdered on my estate when I was younger, but I was just young and just kind of buried it. And mm. I tried to do that with my dad, and I just feel like I, I reached mental, emotional capacity and I ended up you know breaking down in floods of tears wow. on this beach um while I was on tour um but the strange thing is after I had cried I felt this freedom that I hadn't felt for a long time release. and that's when I started to think yeah that release and that's mm. when I started to think that maybe 
it's good for me to sometimes externally process and be vulnerable and let things out. And I guess that was the start of my start of the journey of me kind of reshaping like how I viewed my masculinity and the fact mm. that actually it's not that brave for me personally to go to the gym, but it is quite brave to tell my best mate that I'm struggling with life and be being quite vulnerable. So just like redefining what I looked as as strong. I think embracing mm-hmm. your weakness is a very strong thing to do. So yeah, that's why I um yeah, that's why that breakdown was hard but very much needed for me. It's really interesting to hear you say that and I'm really like keen to to get your thoughts on that cuz I think um in my own experience with my stepfather having seen a man as well and like it was very difficult for him to come to terms with his illness. He didn't really we didn't talk about it. It was like a massive elephant in the room. Mm. Um, so it's really good to see, like, you know, someone like you opening up those conversations around that and like making, doing that work. And I wonder, I know it's such a big, it's really difficult to solve, I guess. It's not an overnight thing. It's going to take a long time. But why do you think men find it so difficult to open up or to be vulnerable? Yeah, I mean, I think there's different root causes. Um, just because I've spoken to men that grew up like working class on a council estate and still struggle. And I've spoken to guys that went private school and come from loads of money and, and struggle. But mm. I think society maybe puts pressure, you know, subconsciously on guys to stiff up a lip, be strong, never cry, got to work really hard and just be a man, man up, all those kind of things. And so... Mm we maybe feel like if we're vulnerable or honest or embrace our weaknesses, that it means that we're no longer uh, a man. And, you know, there's a pride with, you know, oh, you're such a strong man. You're such a great Mm. man. There's a pride that comes with that. And I think maybe anything that might show other people that we are weak or um, not a strong guy, we we maybe want to hide that. And so maybe that's why people don't, speak up and also it's not a lot of men speak up and so no one wants to be the first I don't know like when I walk in a room full of my mates and Mm. I ask someone how you doing today and they say fine everyone else kind of follows suit yeah that kind of sets the precedent but if I walk in a room and the first person says yeah I'm good but actually it's really hard at home at the moment everyone else feels that they can be more honest and vulnerable. So sometimes, you know, you need that person to, to go first and to be brave mm. and set that, set that precedent. I guess that's why group therapy works so well. Definitely, man. And asking yeah. the right questions or questions that encourage people to open up, you know, like rather than how are you? Yeah. All you can really say off that is that I'm cool. There's nowhere to really go. Maybe like yeah. on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing today? And then, yeah. I'm a six why are you a six because you know xyz so yeah and I think that's also so important for the topic of grief because you know it fluctuates so much and you can be one day where you can feel fine and then the next day you just feel really low and then and then so forth it's really it's kind of it really ebbs and flows and I think the scale is always a good one for that especially for grief yeah 100% I was trying to think of something really clever to say but you said it all (laughs) <laughs> I think what what you've said so far is very clever. Um, so, Governor, tell us what your second song is and why. Um, so my second song is my all-time favourite song. Um, it's called wow, Battle. I feel like that's a, I feel like it's a big statement. 
big statement. There's a lot of songs out there. Um, yeah. It's called Battle by Wookie and Lane. I actually sampled this, but the original version is much better than my sample. And it's actually quite uplifting, but I initially liked it in my teenage years because of the beat. I loved UK Garage and this is a UK Garage song, but then I delved into the lyrics and I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Um, so that's why it's, it's there because my friends all know it's my favourite song and it's a good tune. <laughs> in your head I was I was <laughs> I just I really I'm I really just miss dancing out as well I think this mm. last year I'm just like so ready to like yeah, you know, same. Get, yeah get out I wanted to ask you now having experienced the death of someone close to you and also yourself being a dad how do you think um how do you think you'd approach the topic of death with Ezra's your son right yeah yeah have you or have you thought about how you'll approach the topic of death with your son and help him to perhaps embrace his own vulnerability from a younger age yeah i guess in terms of the vulnerability the main thing i want to do is create a space for him to be vulnerable if he wants to be i mm. don't want to force him to i don't want to be like yo you have to tell me what's going on now but i think the space is tell really me on important. a scale of one to ten how are you doing today <laughs> exactly <laughs> like dad i'm only two man um <laughs> <laughs> but you know i didn't grow up in a family you know though they loved me i didn't grow up in a family that sat around a table together and had dinner at 7 30 p.m or whatever we just kind of went to the kitchen got our own dinner i took it to my room my mum was in the living room all that kind of stuff but mm. i think i want to do that with ezra just so that there's a space for him to talk if he wants. And some days, you know, on a Monday and a Tuesday, he might have nothing to say. But on a Thursday, he might be, oh, actually, Dad, this happened today and it made me feel like this. Um, mm. And I think it's, you know, around those dinner tables and that kind of stuff where you you build relationship, you build deeper connections. And so, yeah, yeah. Space, is, space is super important for me. Um, in terms of, you know, death, the world is a crazy place. And I feel like young people these days have to grow up a lot quicker than I did and I'm only 30 you know and so I don't know if I want to shield him from the world too much I want to protect him but I want him to know the reality of what mm. life can bring and so with death I think I'll probably just say something like you know this person we love very much and now they're no longer with us um which mm. is really sad because you never see them again but we believe that you'll see them again sometime in the future in heaven mm. and there's a hope that comes with it so you kind of give him the reality of the truth of the present day but you let him know that you know better days are ahead and I think that's yeah. probably how I'd approach it I think it comes up a lot about how like we live in a society in which we often sort of shield the topic of death from kids for fear of it being too scary mm. you know and I think it's good to kind of face it head on um and just you know you know admit admit and be honest and just say you know it's sad but it's also you know we have to celebrate who they are yeah 100 and I think as a parent I've got a responsibility to prepare him for pain you know not to sound morbid or anything yeah. but 
I want to equip him with the tools that he needs to not just thrive in the best of times, but also thrive in the difficult times as well. And part of that is, you know, the harsh reality of life. And you can explain that in like a loving way, you know. And so, yeah, yeah I think that's what I'd want to do. Amazing. Um, Governor, are you afraid of death? No. Actually, that's not entirely true. I'd say 95% no. But mm. there is that 5%. That I get in the car and I'm like, what if today is the day? Yeah. You know, and you just start thinking, okay, have I sorted out this? Have I sorted out that? And scary is it going to hurt and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, my dad was the closest person to me um, that I've lost. And I think when I lost him, I also lost a lot of fear. You know, I realized the fragility of life, but I also mm. realized that, you know, seeing him and his body, he's not in pain anymore. You know, he's mm. in pain for the last few days or whatever, but... Yeah, there's actually nothing to fear. Just take every day as it comes, make the most of it. And when it's your time, it's your time. But that's me 95% of the time. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I hope it doesn't hurt. Take me in my sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, that happens to me when I get on a plane almost all the time. Every time I get on a plane, that's... Do you ever look around though? Because I'm like, if there's someone that... When you get on a plane, because I'm like, if there's someone like, semi-famous on this plane it's probably not going to crash because famous person's not meant to die today so i'll be all right <laughs> you know what i mean like if you got yeah. on a plane with with like i don't know the queen that plane's probably not going to crash you know what i mean yeah i mean although actually the other day i was watching this interview apparently leonardo dicaprio was on a plane once and like one of the engines burst so who knows yeah, maybe not but maybe when i get on a on a plane now i'm just gonna go up to the hostess and be like do you know who i am and just just she hope like, that she uh, relays that to the pilot <laughs> yeah <laughs> drive really carefully yeah. we've got jade on the plane okay. no crashes today <laughs> um so what is your next song and please tell us why my next song is called father stretch by the sunday service choir which is actually you know run by Kanye West. And Kanye actually had an original version of this song on his album. Um, I'm a, but I'm it's a massive Kanye West fan, by the way. As am I, as am I. Um, but yeah, the original is on his second to last album, but it's very explicit. And my mum's coming to my funeral. Um, and so she'd tell me off if any of the songs had swear words. And so he's done this new version with his Sunday service choir, which is mm. sick. And me and my friends yeah. always go mad. At the last Kanye show, he played the original and it was just like... Did you go? Absolute euphoria. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <gasps> oh my God, I'm so jealous. I think, honestly, it's one of the things I want to do before I die would be to attend one of the sun, like service choirs, Kanye's. I keep yeah. putting his um his live session when he plays his album... Um. I, there's like a YouTube live version of him playing it. I, I've yeah, honestly yeah. put that video on repeat Sick. so many times. It's so good. It like, honestly, yeah, I like amazing. cry. It's so good. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, this is definitely one of my, it's a good funeral song as well. Because when, when it plays, I imagine like God welcoming, in, welcoming me into heaven. Yeah. That's the vibe I get.
This week's episode has been sponsored by Aura, a platform run by my good friend Dave and his dad. Together they're trying to normalise conversations around death and grief by giving people the opportunity to plan and organise their end of life together with their loved ones. Basically, you can use Aura to store and share your end of life wishes, funeral plans, including songs, of course, and some other really important bits related to both life and death. It really is quite something. So if you have a moment, check them out at www.aura.life. Right, now back to the show. That was so beautiful. I just, I just love the Sunday Service Choir. They have such a beautiful presence. It's just so gorgeous. Yeah, it's cool, man. And you know, the thing I love about choirs is the, the unity, like so many of them singing the same song, different backgrounds, that kind of stuff, mm. but they come together and they have this beautiful sound. And, you know, being a rapper, choirs have been sampled so much in hip-hop music and um, it's just always come out, like, pretty sick. So, yeah, I love it. How do you think your faith has helped in your journey with grief and death? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so two things come to mind. I think the first thing is I really struggled with my faith when my dad passed away because I was kind of like, God, why did you do this? This wasn't mm. in the plan. He passed away so suddenly, no warning, and I'm really angry. Mm. But growing up in my parents' church, it was almost like forbidden to doubt God and be angry with God. But I was really angry and I had a lot of doubts. And so I didn't pray uh didn't really feel like I was a Christian or a man of faith after my dad passed away. And then randomly, my friend sent me this psalm. It was like Psalm 13. And David's like angry at God. And he's like, God, why have you done this? Why have you left me? And then I felt like that gave me permission to not pray all these like airy fairy prayers, but actually start saying, God, I'm angry with you and all that kind of stuff. And why have you taken my dad? And it just gave me a bit more of a realer faith. And I didn't mm. feel like, it was airy fairy anymore and didn't feel like fake. It just felt like, all right, cool, fair enough. If God's big enough to do with my doubts and my questions, then hats off and just feels a lot more authentic. And I guess the second thing that comes to mind, which is probably the most important, is, you know, every birthday of my dad's that goes by, every Father's Day, I just get really down because it feels like he's getting further and further away. Um but with my faith, it just helps me to change my perspective and makes me think, oh, if I believe in heaven, then actually every year that goes by, I'm actually getting closer and closer to seeing him again. Um, so it really helps with shifting my perspective and trying to view everything in a bit more of a positive light. Do you know what I mean? Wow, I love that because I, it's funny, I've never heard anyone say that before, but it's true that every day that that goes by every anniversary every year I'm like oh shit it's like mm. it's been two years now and I kind of feel like does it mean that I'm less entitled to feel like yeah. grief I mean this could be not a bad thought but sometimes like, oh, I wish it just been yesterday so that it mm. it kind of would feel like fresh but also I know that that would also feel more painful sometimes so definitely it's kind of yeah I'd never thought of it in that way that you're describing now to kind of twist it on its head I mean actually every day is closer to being reunited with them or to being closer to that. Yeah, um, that's been like a bit of a game changer for me. Um, especially on the days I feel a bit guilty because, you know, everyone says, oh, since you died, 
thought about you every single day. And then, you know, it's been three and a half years now. And there'll be a day where I can't actually remember if I thought about my dad that day or not. And then I'm like, oh, I feel really guilty because I'm like, oh, I'm like forgetting him and stuff. But um, I just try and remind myself that like every day that goes by, I'm getting closer to seeing him again. Um, I actually also listened to the podcast where you interview, uh, I can't remember his name, but Reverend... Justin Welby. Yes. And then you were talking, he had a very extremely tragic story about his the death of his daughter but he said something really lovely as well about kind of anniversaries just on the topic of anniversaries how like often we feel like um you know they kind of creep up on us those days or when you know and it's like about embracing those days and actually catching up with those days before they creep up on you and again that really made me think of that because I it was always oh shit you know this is coming up or got to you know but now it's like like changing the mind shift and being like, no, like let's go into it head first and celebrate yeah. it. For sure, man. For sure. That's a really nice episode too, by the way. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. It's so encouraging. Been doing my research. Been doing it. <laughs> um, so what is your fourth song? And please tell us why. Um, so my fourth song is a recent favorite um, I was actually going to go for a song by one of my favourite rappers called Kano because P's and Q's but it's not very funeral friendly so I decided to go for something a bit more safe uh, this a is a song PC. called yeah exactly um, a song called Free Mind by an artist called Thames and um, I've loved it during lockdown because I've realised the importance of you know looking after my mental health and my emotional health and mm-hmm. I think as soon as you lose someone when someone dies it be- mm. instantly becomes a mental health issue for all of the friends and all of their family and everyone that they're connected to. And I think it's, this song just reminds me that it's so important to um, look after our mental health and equip ourselves with the tools to view situations in the best way possible because death in a lot of ways can make you or break you. Some people never come back from losing a loved one, yeah. you know. Um, and our mind is so important, you know. I've seen people come back from physical injuries I've seen people come back from like losing their house I've seen people come back from all different but I've rarely seen someone you know come back from losing their mind um it's a very dangerous thing and so this song reminds me to try and protect my mental health and hopefully it will remind my friends when they hear this at my funeral because the good thing about this podcast is no one can choose their own music for my funeral because I've said it all now um but yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Gonna have to tell all your family now. Yeah, everyone listen. Yeah, everyone listen. I said five in the morning. I wake up to five for my yearnings. Fear in my mind is a warning. Pray to the one you're relying. I feel like there's such a kind of running theme throughout your song so far of just like really good music and just kind of like very optimistic. There's got like an optimistic vibe, kind of a hopeful vibe, which is yeah, man. which is exactly what we want to hear. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think I just naturally lean towards that way of life. don't know why I've just always been quite an optimistic person and I'm always like, ah. Oh, can't end on a bad day 
we've always got to look forward and you know look around and think what can we be grateful for and what can yeah. help shift our perspective gratitude um so i know that your both your parents are ghanaian mm. um how do you think there's been there's a difference in how they would have approached death and grief or if that would have been spoken about compared to the way you were brought up in East London? Yeah, I guess on a cultural level, um, death is very much something that the family experience together and mm. Ghanaians never want anyone to feel like they're alone. So like, for example, on the day that my dad died, probably about 70 people like family members cousins that wow. kind of stuff came to my house that day and I think you know my wife's English and she was almost a bit overwhelmed and to be fair I was too but I think that's better for my mum that was better for my mum than being on her own do you know what I mean and yeah the support way of yeah the support's important and she always says like it takes a village you know to raise a child but also in death you've got to know that you're not on your own and so that's the Ghanaian way of, of doing things. And it does come become quite overwhelming because like everyone that comes in, you've got to explain what happened and that kind of stuff. Mm. But you know when someone dies, first couple of weeks, everyone's checking in on you. And then it's like the world just like carries on as normal. Yeah. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. I'm still like super struggling. Where's everyone gone? And so that's what I do love about the Ghanaian culture. Everyone's in it together. Um but the thing that can be quite damaging is I think, yeah, it's that thing of we've got to get on with it quickly. And because of the faith aspect, you're like, everything has to be okay. Don't worry, God's in control. Like things will get back to normal soon. And they can almost rush through the grief process. Um, so yeah, I've tried my hardest, me and my family, to just take it easy every day as it comes. Don't rush it. Just feel mm. all the things. Some days we wake up and we feel great. Other days it just hits us like a train. But it's all good. It's part of the process, you know. Yeah, it's so true, actually. Like um, when just in the experience with my stepdad, like for like three weeks, we had like carers in and people in and out of the house and suddenly, you know, mm. and then suddenly like that all stops. Um, mm. And then you're kind of left in silence and you're like, oh, and then people check in on you at the beginning, but then they kind of don't. Um, yeah. And I think this has been coming up quite a bit actually the importance of community and like having people around you because you know it it, it is difficult to go it alone and it's good that your mum was able to have the support of you know her family and her friends around her and it's mm. it's so important at a time like when there's a death and a loss yeah 100% so governor we're coming up to the end of deathbed discs what is your last song and please tell us why so my last song is uh maybe a bit predictable maybe a bit unbelievable some would think but it's one of my own and it's called <laughs> cast your cares and two reasons why i've picked it number one is it's you know traces back to my faith and the fact that i think that you know um whatever problems we have in life we don't have to go them alone there's community aspect but also I believe there's a God above that looks out for us and that's nice to know. Yeah. And the second reason is because I've never had a number one album and I'm trying to go number one after I die. And so people need to listen to my music um, and that's why I've put it in there. Amazing. Let's hear it. <laughs>
banner of energy Place your cares on his shoulders, the remedy He'll give you strength that is needed for every task I know he's on our side and that's everything In the past they just let us even through the dark And anything we need we can ask Cause I know I think that that's a great song to have at your funeral, Governor. <laughs> Thank you. Do you think we'll go number one? We'll make sure it does. I'll make sure it does. Okay? <laughs> cool. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. Um, we're coming to the end of Deathbed Discs, and I've I really enjoyed this podcast a lot. I really enjoyed talking to you, and I actually have so many more questions that I would have would love to ask you, but there is one last question which I like to ask all my guests. Um which I think is quite fitting after the last song. But how would you like to be remembered? Oh, what a great question. Um, I guess I would like to be remembered as someone that cared about people. Because I think, you know, you can buy people gifts, share great experiences, and that stuff's all great. But I think people will just never forget Um Mm. someone that cared about them and someone that they could trust and someone that was a good friend so yeah just someone that cared about people someone that was a good husband a good dad a good friend um that would be nice governor it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and to listen to your songs and i'm immensely happy that we got to share this time so thank you for coming on deathbed discs Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, man. Big love. Big love. Thank you for tuning in to Deathbed Discs. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and I really hope you can listen to the next one. If you'd like to write in about anything that we've talked about on the show or even want to send us your own song choices, you can email us at deathbeddiscs at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at deathbeddiscs. This show has been produced by Audio Commune and sponsored by Aura.
And lastly, don't forget to tune into our Spotify Deathbed Discs playlist where you can listen to all the songs in their full, uncut and beautiful glory. Until next time, take care and see you soon.